0: Hey guys, just wanted to let you know that the episode you're listening to was originally a Facebook Live video that I've repurposed into an episode. So if I'm ever referencing something um, visually that you can't see, keep that in mind when you're listening. So thanks for listening. Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's, Recover, Restore, and Release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, Corpse Grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction, digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning and we love them for it. Check out their website today and pick up your copies of Rudy Raymore's Dolomite films just in time for the new Netflix movie Dolomite Is My Name starring Eddie Murphy. Also available is Hell Comes to Frogtown starring Rowdy Rowdy Piper, James Hong's The Vineyard, Pledge Knight, Lust in the Dust, starring Divine, Putney Swope, The Amityville Cursed Collection, and much, much more. Also, don't forget to pre-order your copy of Tammy and the T-Rex in glorious 4K Ultra High Definition or Blu-ray and The Angel Collection. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegersyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you.
1: I'm gonna wrap the shots on a bit. podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements, endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show.
0: Hello and welcome to quarantine update of the Shameless Picture Show. For those of you who have not been following along with the, the quarantine updates, it's something I've been doing uh, ever since I was furloughed from my job. Um, it's been a way for me to keep rolling with the my podcast, the Shameless Picture Show, if some of you aren't familiar with that. And then on top of that, it uh, just kind of gives me an excuse to keep reviewing titles. Um, I'm sent a... A fair amount of free review titles to to watch um, that, uh, uh, in exchange of getting them, I, I review them on the podcast. And usually when I have to work, it it can be difficult to find time to do them. I've got nothing but time right now. Uh, for those of you who have been joining me on a couple of these, these updates, uh, I've changed the podcast studio slash office. My wife, myself, and her, her friend Emma, pardon me, uh, we painted to kind of give it a homier vibe to it. So the purple walls are new. You can see a little bit of the orange that we did in the staircase. Um, I'm waiting for a futon to come, which is what's going to go right behind me there. Um you can see my little uh tube TV with a built-in VCR, which I'm pretty proud of. Um yeah, and it's just, you know, starting to feel a little more homey. I've got better light on my face right here. And um yeah. So how are you? How are you guys? Hold uh I know right now things are a little bit crazy everywhere. Um I don't expect a very large turnout today because uh, a lot of people that I know are going to be uh protesting in downtown Milwaukee. Um and more power to them. I I hope uh everything goes very smoothly for them. Um so I'm here to provide a little bit of levity. I I think. I think that's kind of my 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 role right this second is uh, it helps kind of distract me from everything and like I said if it entertains you guys it's even better so like I said this is just kind of an extension of my my podcast that I do but yeah um, it's been it's been um I'm kind of settling into the the world of being home all the time it's it's weird for me I given myself schedules. So every morning I get up at a certain time with my wife and we will usually have breakfast together and we'll take the dogs out, let them run around in the yard to get some energy out and uh, maybe sometimes we'll watch something. We're very slowly working our way through the the Clone Wars television show. Uh, I want to say we are only in the first season. We're, we're still very, uh, very close to the beginning of the Clone Wars, but me and Amanda are slowly working our way through that. And it's, it's fun to have kind of this expanded universe opened up to us that um, I never really watched. When the when the Clone Wars TV show came out, I really thought it was going to be far more childish than it is. And there's some of that. There's some of that. But I, I think it's, it's it's so far I've been really impressed by how well I think it's written. Um, on top of that, so, on, so I've been getting my schedule down. Usually when Amanda leaves, I will watch something, whether that be a couple episodes of a TV show or a movie. Uh, I try to make that my time where I watch something for myself. Um, because with doing the podcast, I spend so much time watching stuff that I have to watch and, um, that's, uh, it can, you can sometimes get beat down. And while the stuff that I have to watch is usually stuff I still enjoy or I'm looking forward to, it's nice to make time for stuff. So this morning, what I watched, I, I gave myself a little bit of time to watch something, like I said, that I wanted to watch. So I, I watched, uh, since... Just last night, I, I had rewatched watched uh, American Movie, which is one of my favorite documentaries. It's a very inspiring documentary for myself. It was, I saw it at a young age. I saw it before I went to film school. I saw it when I was still in high school. And it was my first time ever seeing anyone make a movie in a way that I felt like I could do it. Because I watched behind-the-scenes featurettes of, of, of DVDs and Blu-rays, which was my early film school. and But it all seemed so big. I was a failure.
2: I was a failure and I get very sad and depressed about it and I can't be that no more. I really feel like I've betrayed myself big time because I think when I, I know when I was growing up I had all the potential in the world now I'm, I'm back to being Mark who who has a beard in his hand and is thinking about the great American script and the great American movie and this time I cannot fail I won't fail it's not in me you don't get second chances and mess them up you'd be a fool to not just finishing films or in the long run getting some money, but it's right now I feel like it's like I said five, ten, fifteen years ago now I've got the same options again and this time I'm not going to fail. This time it's most important not to fail, just to drink and dream, but rather
3: to create and complete.
2: When did you first get involved and how and why? Uh,
3: Well I think I had done a radio show with Mark first and then uh, from as, as part of the radio show. Uh, he had mentioned other projects he was doing.
2: Uh, not the 11th hour, this is the 12th hour. Lisa and Uncle Ed radio show. Dear girl, do you know what you possess in your hand? Do you have any idea of its capabilities? Uh, do you have any reasonable semblance? Look, what, what we're doing right here, it's past 3 o'clock. It's, oh my God, it's, it's 20 after 3. We've got to get these pages printed. We've got to get them straight to the copier. We've got madmen putting scarecrows up front. God knows why. They have no pragmatic purpose to the show, but I'd like to keep the troops motivated. Uh, Idle hands are known to be the devil's workshop, so we want to keep things along, you know? I'm sitting here, you're you're asking me questions. I'm trying to get this finished. I've got uh, people walking around. I I wish I could give them destinies, but uh, I have to adhere to this keyboard. He asked me to come over and help him out. He said he needs some help. I'm always helping him with his, with his films, and and
0: uh, we used to uh, do a lot of partying together. But I don't party anymore. <laughs> Filmmaking felt so out of reach, something that I couldn't possibly ever do. Um, and they, uh, because they always had you know such big impressive cameras, they had so many crew members, they had lights, they had all this stuff. American Movie was the first time that I'd ever seen a small low-budget production get made, and it made it feel tangible. Um, and I know some people complain about American movie and say that it's exploiting its subject of Mark Borchard. I really don't think it is. I I think it's it's and having met the man, I think it's a very genuine. But no, I think American movie. I don't think it's a it's. A, it, I don't think it's very exploitive at all. Having met the man and and spent some time with him, I spent a day with him at a, an event called UFO Days along with my uh, former producing partner Greg Bishop. Um, I think it's a very accurate portrayal of him and and depending on who you talk to some people think it's comedy some I personally it's quotable and I think it's funny in the same way that I think Beyond the Mat is a very quotable movie but I actually think it's a very honest film and it, sometimes it's kind of sad and it was weird seeing that film in high school for the first time um, because I feel like it kind it, you know normally you see these six you see these these portraits these portraits. Um, but I actually think the movie's quite inspiring because seeing it so young, uh, normally these portraits, these people, these movies about someone are usually building to this great thing. And unfortunately he never really got a chance to, he never really had that big thing. He finished the movie and that was a big monumental, but to my knowledge, he never made, he never made North, Northwestern, both Coven and American movie Um, were sent in the Sundance, but American movie played, but I don't think Coven did. Um, And it's kind of humbling that despite everything, he is still optimistic and still wants to make stuff. And he still has a passion for it. it. It's very Ed Wood. And I appreciate that. And whereas, say, like, something like The Disaster Artist and Tommy Wiseau, he made it. You know, granted they he made it uh the movie he made everyone took as a joke and how he ran with that but he's kind of a success story it just shows how differently two different uh, two different stories can go mark borchard is more in the line of ed wood where uh not there's not a direct correlation um he's a little more like ed wood in that he never really quite got the success Ed Wood didn't get his didn't get his any attention until after he died and the Golden Turkey Awards came around and, and voted him to be the worst director of all time. And I also think that's that's very unfair. Um I'm not gonna go into my entire uh thought process of, of why I don't think Ed Wood is that bad of a director. But um no, I, I had gotten to see American movie for the first time since high school, and I still think it was pretty impactful, and I really, uh, I don't know, I think it, it, it spoke more to me now than I think it even did when I was younger, but anyways, this has been a long tangent, and I did get a copy of American movie, thanks to my buddy Jay Gilkey, the promoter of Mondo Lucha, he's downsized, and pretty much said, here, take my copy, so I got a free copy of American movie, and that's not an easy movie to find, um, but if anyone has a VHS copy of COVID they don't want, I will gladly take that. I watched American Movie last night, and I kind of wanted to chase that up. with So that was one of Chris Smith's first movies. So I wanted to see what he... I hadn't seen his Firefest Fest documentary, but I really wanted to see Jim and Andy, which is on Netflix. And it's kind of a fascinating documentary. It's about, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's, it's kind of the story... Um, uh, of the movie Man on the Moon, but more than that. It is, so the story, the story behind it is when Man on the, the Moon was being made, Jim Carrey um, brought on a, a, a team, of, team of filmmakers to shoot all the behind-the-scenes footage um, and to kind of show his progression, his, his, how he became Andy Kaufman.
1: So Jim. Yes. How would you start this movie?
3: Mm. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jim Carrey, and how are you this evening? All righty then. Finding out you have something special and it gets a reaction. That's how I got attention and love. Ah! I watched the stars fall silent. Andy you. Kaufman came in to turn reality on its head and not stop when the camera stopped. You, you're a- Andy yes. Kaufman cared less about making his audience laugh than keeping them confused. Rest on me. He blew my mind. When I heard I had the part, I was looking at the ocean, and that's the moment when Andy came back to make his movie. Hello. What happened after was out of my control. <laughs> Andy. That's enough. Perfect. I don't like it. I want to do one more. Andy felt it was necessary to stay in the character. He's exactly the way Andy was. It's totally surreal. And this crazy melodrama started happening all over the place. Jimmy said they came down hard. Who's they? Universal didn't want the footage we took behind the scenes to surface so that people wouldn't think I was an asshole. Uh
0: Andy, give me a chance to make a movie. I don't need to make a movie. I don't need to make a movie. I was thinking, Ah.
3: how far should I
0: take this? I see. Sound check. Sound
2: check. It's working.
0: How far would Andy take it? And it was actually shot by Andy Kaufman's uh, uh, ex-wife... No, uh, ex-wife. Wife, who... I don't... When you die, is it really your ex-wife? No, it's your widow. It's your widow. It was shot by Andy Kaufman's widow and a good friend of his. And um, uh, Chris Smith came later on and uh, finished the film and shot these wraparounds of Jim Carrey. Um And I think the film is... I think the film is great, but it's not really one I want to go back to because I found myself actually getting really annoyed with Jim Carrey. And that's probably the point because he, he, he claims he was possessed by the spirit of Andy Kaufman and Andy Kaufman was the one starring in that film. And Jim Carrey wasn't there. And he has this whole fucking explanation about how that happens and how he's just a vessel for these characters. I find it kind of eye rolling, but what, but what i find fascinating is that he completely believes this 100 percent, and he sticks to this story um and what i think it what's more interesting than a behind the scenes making of of man in the moon or seeing uh jim carrey pretend to be andy kaufman and annoy everyone who knew andy kaufman and it's funny some of them even say this is exactly what andy would do uh the only person who was not happy with it was jerry the king lawler because um um jim carrey just kept fucking with him the entire movie um, but what I think is funny is is the ruminations on what it's like to be a celebrity. Um, that is what I actually think is, is most fascinating about Jim and Andy is um, when Jim Carrey reflects on where he was in his life versus where Andy Kaufman was and what his early films meant for him and how um essentially he got lucky in well how he envisioned that he was going to be successful and then he kind of willed it to be so um um that is what i think is most is fascinating about that film is is not necessarily uh jim carrey's method acting which i know if i was on i felt bad for milos foreman uh i'm sure that was a fucking nightmare to deal with um what i going back, what i what i felt most fascinating about that film was is, is jim carrey himself and i don't know he he claims that he's in a happier place in his life but he seems sad i don't know uh granted this is just from a sit down interview so it's not like i've actually talked to him but just something seemed off about jim carrey in that movie Um, so yeah, I watched Jim and Andy, uh, I don't know, I thought the film was great, but I don't, it's not one that I necessarily feel like I need to go back to very often, but I do recommend everyone go see it. Um, so that's what I watched as my kind of freebie for the day. Um, I also watched, um, Kevin Smith's new Jay and Silent Bob reboot, and I've got a lot of thoughts about that one. The biggest one being, I'm both the audience and not the audience, um, I thought the core story he was trying to tell was really sweet and really interesting, but his own desire to cram inside jokes into every line I think kind of hurt his momentum. Um, and while I was a, I am a super fan of the VUISC universe, um, I felt like if he would have pared back a little bit more, I think he could have strengthened the story he was trying to tell because the core story of... Spoiler, but it's it's in all the trailers. The core story, what it's about, is, is Jay becoming a dad and struggling with that. And um, I know Jason muse had just recently become a dad, and um, so I, I was wondering if that was going to play a parallel into it. And Jason muse's kid does have a cameo in that film with Ben Affleck. Uh, and yes, there Ben Affleck's cameo at the end of the film I thought was scene stealing. Um, and it made me realize, remember why Chasing Amy is my favorite movie of that Kevin Smith has done. But I am here to talk about some uh, a film from one of my sponsors. It's been a very... My quarantine updates have been very Vinegar Syndrome heavy. My bonus episodes usually are because they, Vinegar Syndrome is the most consistent and they like me for whatever reason, so they keep sending me shit, which is cool. Pardon me. Um, But with everything going on, there has been a lot less... Um, what well, was people working the factories? So, like my contacts at Arrow and Blue Underground, I've not gotten anything from them in a while. Mill Creek, uh, I haven't really heard from in a while. I know they're still out there, and I know they're I'm still on their list and on their friendlies list, but um as of right now, um vinegar syndrome is really the only people sending me anything. But today I'll be discussing Party Line. Back of the box says brother and sister Seth and Angelina live in a secluded life in their family's beautiful Beverly Hills mansion, but these upper class siblings share a dark and violent hobby of using sexually driven party lines to meet and lure lustful strangers into a deadly menage a trois, the climax of which is a razor slash to the throat. With the victim count steadily rising, Detective Dan is under the gun to crack the case. But when his girlfriend falls prey to the maniacal duo, Dan goes rogue, taking his own violent measures to dispense justice. Juxtaposing a slasher film set up with police drama and erotic thriller plot points, William Webb's party line is a forgotten oddity, bridging the late 80s slasher craze with the soon-to-be, soon-to-rise be soon to early 90s skinamax obsession, starring Leif Garrett uh sean weatherly richard roundtree and richard hatch and stylishly photographed by the renowned visual effects cinematographer john hunnick who he did he really shoot the terminator really vinegar syndrome brings party line to blu-ray for the first time newly restored in 4k from its original 35 millimeter camera negative These lips have been to places that aren't even on the map. Explore, I'm gonna meet you. You're wild, aren't you? I like that. Who are you?
1: Well, you got the party line, sweetheart. 976. 976.
0: It's all over the place.
3: Party
0: line. It's the new way to get together.
3: Some call for a fun time.
0: I'm here, baby. Some call for a hot time.
3: You name it, I like it. Some call for the last time. I swear to God, I had no idea that she was married. You did were married. Say you're sorry.
0: Party line. Some talk. Some listen. Some die. Did he really shoot Terminator? I'm only just asking because... Um I love the cinematography in Terminator and there's things I loved about the cinematography in this film. No, he didn't. He did not shoot the Terminator. He um Adam Greenberg shot the Terminator. Who is this guy? Sorry. Now I'm going on a a Google hunt to find out who John Hic is oh i see i misunderstood
3: I any information about that
0: thank you google
3: <laughs> i aim to please
0: he shot the visual the visual effects cinematography in the terminator i see i misunderstood but anyways party line was on paper everything that i would have enjoyed out of a movie truthfully um, but it just wasn't doing it for me. I actually thought the film was, uh, a little dull. Um, so, the whole setup around the film is based around, uh, party lines, which were really popular in the 80s, and I feel like I remember them even when I, when, when I was a kid in the 90s. Uh, they usually only advertise them late night, because they are usually a place for people to, like, have phone sex and shit, um, but... Uh, the whole plot line of this film is based around this brother and sister who lure people in through party lines. They end up giving them a place to meet. They go and meet. And then... <laughs> My cat's coming out of the litter box. Uh, <laughs> uh, they go and meet. They bring them back to their mansion. They give them some cock and bull story about how their husband and wife or some shit. And then they murder them. Simple enough. Um... They end up doing this so much that they get on the they get the attention of the DA, um, and then both a detective and a member of the DA are sent out to try to locate these people. Where the film gets a little tricky, though, is there's so many side stories. So you're following Seth and Angelina, which I'll talk a little more about them in a second. You follow Seth and Angelina, um, but then you're also following Detective Dan and uh, the female DA agent. Unfortunately, I don't remember her name. And then on top of that, there is this young girl who I want to say is about 16 years old, maybe younger, who calls the party lines intrigued by the sexual nature and is interested in Leif Leif Garrett's character, Seth. She thinks his voice is sexy. So throughout the film, she's trying to get his attention, which brings up a whole lot of weird... And she even admits she has no idea what she's... She just wants to see if she can get up the nerve to talk to him. Uh, Because he doesn't know that she's in their age. Seth and Angelina are looking for people to kill. And Detective Dan is looking for them. Um, And then it becomes... Seth starts going rogue. And ends up killing a traffic officer. Who we find out is Detective Dan's girlfriend. And Dan goes on a fucking rampage. And is looking for him. And starts breaking all these rules. Where the film loses me is... Very much like a murder mystery, it's got all these plot points that tie up very beautifully in the end Like they all come together in a really smart interesting way. It just takes a long time for it to get there and I found myself not really being interested in the police procedural aspects of it. And part of it's because police procedurals don't really do it for me. Film is such a visual medium that seeing s- scenes of people sitting down on the table looking at paperwork just doesn't fucking do it for me. I think it's part of the reason why I'm not a huge fan of CSI. It's just a lot of people talking about paperwork. And, you know, they are doing police work and everything. But I feel like it's so much exposition. And they're, they're, they're telling you. And they're not showing you. Um... And that's my that's one of my biggest gripes with the film. The film is fascinating because it. Wow. So what year was this? This was 1988. So it's just at the end of the 80s when 80s were at full fucking boom. It it feels like a 90s film because of the Skinamax, um vibe to it, where it feels like it it feels like something that would have came on late night TV or that you would have gotten on VHS. Um, I, I didn't think the cinematography was all that interesting during the day at night the cinematography was actually really interesting and really kind of beautiful at times and what i really appreciate about the film was Leif garrett or leif garrett i don't know the proper way to pronounce his name he really goes for it in this film um i don't really want to spoil all the twists and turns but we find out that there's some obviously since he's murdering people there's something mentally wrong with uh with seth and angelina we find out that um Seth definitely is having some issues. He has some. He has some other issues where we are introduced to him at one point wearing his mother's wedding dress, and his sister finds him, and they have the, they kind of kind of come to blows about it. And the entire film, you kind of get the idea that he's really doing this as a way to like revenge to to get to get vengeance on his mother's death both, both of their parents are dead and they're orphans at this point. Um, so it's really interesting. I actually feel like all the plot lines coming while the plot lines all came together very smoothly, um, they could have cut out a couple of these plot lines and it would have really helped the momentum of the film. I thought the film was just okay. Um, there was, funny enough, and it's, it's always impressive when this happens. There's, there's obviously throat slashings in the film, uh, with a straight razor. And, the build up for them you always see them coming but they were still shocking i saw them coming i knew what they were going to do and i still found myself going oh. and if that can happen like if 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 i can predict like something is coming and it still gets to me that's fucking cool so you know it it's 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 pretty it's it's pretty well directed uh i thought all the acting was really good uh i just found myself not caring not caring all that much i was kind of bored um, and I really wanted to like party line. Cause I, I thought the, the, the synopsis for the film, I thought was really interesting. And, um, who doesn't like Richard Roundtree Richard Roundtree and Leif Garrett. So, uh, party line, I know there's an audience for this film. If you are kind of interested in like the sleazier, like, like this is in the back of the box, the skin type of films. Uh, I think it's definitely worth it in that regard. Um, but if you're looking for something a little bit more slasher or Jalo influenced, I think party line leaves a lot to be desired. But like I said, what it does very well is it ties together these storylines so perfectly. Um like the third act of this film is really the late second act to third act of this film is really, really solid. Um meanders a little bit at the setup and but like once you get to the midpoint onward, it's it's really solid if it's storytelling. So, special features say the film was newly scanned and restored in 4K from its mm, 35mm original camera negative. Uh, There's an interview called Party Line Fever interviews with screenwriter Richard Brands. And I started watching it. I just, I I didn't care enough about the movie to really watch it all the way through. But I do want to go back and see if he talks about kind of the structure of the film. Because that, I think, is what interests me more. Uh, there's the re- original theatrical trailer, reversible cover artwork, which is what I've currently got queued up on here, because I think it's better than the um, um, other artwork. English SDH subtitles, directed by William Webb, starring Richard Hatch, Richard Roundtree, Sean Weatherly, Leif Garrett, and Greta Blackburn. film was from 1988, 90 minutes, color, 1851 widescreen, and it's got a DTS mono soundtrack. Um I think that's it, guys. This one this is one of my shorter ones, but I I wanted to come on here talk about Party Line. Um, I've got some more reviews coming soon, and uh, as always, I appreciate you listening. And I looked. It looks like I've got some new. I got, I got some new members of the audience in today, which is what I wanted. If you're not familiar with my podcast, I really please for me check it out. I'm really proud of it. I've been doing it for four years. Uh, it's called the Shame List Picture Show. Uh, the whole thought process of behind it is when i was in film school i had occasionally encounter um movies that i haven't seen and it happens i know everyone's like you're the movie guy but trust me i've probably seen more movies than most people have forgotten in their life um and you just miss shit especially once it's like once it's for me especially sometimes some of the bigger stuff i put off so i can find the weird stuff that's just my way of doing things, um, and usually people are like, "Oh, have you seen Apocalypse Now?" And you're like, "Yeah, it's great." And I've never seen it. I've never seen Apocalypse Now. It's on. It's it's on the shame list. It's going to be an episode. But we want me and my co-host Nick. We wanted to start a show where we can where we have a a platform to talk about these films. Sands Judgment. Oh, you haven't seen this film? Cool. Let's watch it. Let's discuss it. Um, we had a, sl- a very interesting couple uh, slew of couple films like we just uh, Alien was our last episode. Uh, I think it's a really, really solid episode. We talk de- We talk uh, quite in depth about editing techniques and why the film works so well and why it's so claustrophobic. The episode that's coming up Monday will be Ghostbusters 1984. I'd never seen Ghostbusters. i had seen most of the Ghostbusters. It came on television all the time, so I always saw bits and pieces of Ghostbusters, but I never watched it beginning to end. So we watched Ghostbusters, and then we watched the 2016 Ghostbusters we're talking about. And uh, that's going to be next episode. And we talk in depth about um, some potentially problematic aspects of the movie. And I think it's great. I think it's actually one of our better episodes. Uh, Rocky is one of our great episodes. Rocky, which um, I have my good friend and former producing partner, Gregory Bishop, on the show. Uh, and then I got Lloyd Kaufman on that episode. That's fucking awesome. He talks about working on Rocky, working with John Avildsen. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't checked out the show, i really appreciate it if you would. Uh, I've been told by people that even if you haven't seen the movie we're discussing, it does not hurt the enjoyment of the show. Obviously, we spoil things, so if you're if you care about spoilers, maybe avoid episodes that you for movies you really want to see. But if you guys could uh, throw me a like, throw me a, a star rating, give me a rating, give me a review, give me all that stuff, and just share episodes you like, that would mean the world to me. So um, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, Lipson, Stitcher Radio, and if there's somewhere you listen to podcasts and you can't find the show, let me know. Once again, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Lipson, and I've been even been told we we're floating around on some of the weird ones, too. I appreciate you guys jumping in. This is a pretty successful episode for me. I've been talking to you for about, well, we are on Spotify. Uh, we, just look for the, the podcast, The Shame List Picture Show I've got four years of content on there, buddy. There's plenty there. You, I'm sure there's a there's a couple movies you'd love to hear me talk about. So I've been talking to you for about 33 minutes. I've got to go uh, and finish up a Patreon episode, uh, which should be up today. I've also got a bonus episode that'll be released today. Um, uh, in the Patreon episode, I'm watch I'm live reviewing Toxic Avenger on VHS on that little TV right behind me. Um, so thanks for watching guys. As always, I really appreciate, like rate review, subscribe. If you like what I'm doing, please let me know. And if you don't like what I'm doing, well, I've got two words for you. Watch movies. Thanks for listening, guys.
1: The Shameless Picture Show is recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Easton, Maryland, is hosted and produced by Nick Richards and Michael Viers, and is more often than not edited by Michael Viers. Any TV or YouTube versions of the show to date have been edited by Nick Richards, Tyler Hanna, or Dina Volani. Our opening theme music was written especially for us by The Directionals, with narration from Zach McClain. The end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 Speed, and our new Kick-Ass logo was designed by Amanda Byers. A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors at Mill Creek Entertainment and Vinegar Syndrome. We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links to all these tremendous folks, as well as the show, in the description below. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.